Hey y'all! Welcome to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia of The Wander School. Each episode, I bring you stories, tips, and tricks from foragers and wildcrafters around the world to empower you on your wild path. Please remember to practice safe foraging by being 100% positive of your identification before consuming anything wild. Happy listening! Come on, everyone, and gather around. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need grows all around us. Hi, and welcome back to Wander Forage and Wildcraft. I'm Abby Artemisia, and I'm trying something totally new and different and doing a group interview today. And I'm talking to you from a sailboat (laughs) (laughs) in the Florida Keys. And the name of the sailboat is SV Tulsi. And we're in Boot Key Harbor in Marathon, Florida. And I have several folks here. So they're all super interesting and amazing people. So we're going to get a chance to hear from everyone and we're going to diverge a little bit from our regular theme of foraging and wildcrafting. And as we get into this discussion, you'll, you'll get to hear more about the theme. I just want to remind you, if you want to support this podcast and the production costs, that is awesome. And you can do that at patreon.com slash thewanderschool. And I really appreciate it. So I'm going to go around and just let everybody tell you who they are, where they're from, and a little bit about themselves. Hi there. This is Greg. And I'm here with Erica. Where are you from, Greg? <laughs> well, I'm I'm from uh, Southwest Florida, from Fort Myers. What's your passion in life right now? Obviously, sailing uh, and living aboard. That's one of them. Um, it's always been uh, helping others. So, background is uh, actually as a nurse in cardiac care and emergency room. Um, but I've always been uh, holistic. I went to Florida Gulf Coast University and so I had a very holistic uh, nursing program. And uh, so we actually did cover herbs and, and pharmacology class and, and their uses. And, um, you know, it's pretty light, but uh, it definitely uh, piqued my interest and uh, that never went away. That's something that's been growing and growing. And for a while there, I. Uh, would say is probably almost getting a little disgust for the Western medical system, um, but I feel like I've kind of uh, transcended that a bit and grown past that to where uh, you know it does it does play its role and yes we we do by and large overuse pharmaceuticals, but um, you know that they're they're not the answer for chronic issues. They're not the uh, answer for wellness and. 
uh, well-being, that, that comes down to nutrition and, and natural medicine for most things. When someone has a life-threatening emergency, though, that's where the pharmaceuticals really come in. Um, and we're great at saving lives, but uh, we really need to kind of get back to basics. So kind of uh, transitioned um, mm -hmm. away from Western medicine to a degree and, and more and more towards uh, herbalism. And uh, luckily, my partner here is mm -hmm. a uh, gardener and uh, also very much into um, into medicinal herbs. And that's a, a shared passion. I'll turn it over to Eric and let her tell you guys Ed. a little bit about herself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it caught me a little off guard there at, at first. That's okay. <laughs> no, it's, to me. it's great. I love that perspective of having someone who's been in the Western medicine world transitioning over to herbalism, mm -hmm. but I think the combination of the two is super valuable. Yeah. So my name is Erica. And I live aboard SV Tulsi with my amazing partner, Gregory. And I work at a botanical garden down the street called the Grassy Key Botanical Garden. We're collecting edible uh, plant species from around the world and organizing them in a formal botanical garden. And we are so grateful to have y'all aboard this evening for such good conversation and good food and, and coming together around plants and the powerful, the power that lies within them and within ours, us. And I would like to introduce Owl. Hello. Guest on board. <laughs> Hello, Owl Rare, coming at you live from Tulsi in the Florida Keys. I do a podcast called QT Pac Talks. Um, it stands for queer and or trans people of color. Um, and basically it's a talk show that bridges the gap between queer and trans people of color and media um, just because there's a big gap um, between you know a lot of the creative work that and magic that's being done and a lot of like underground scenes and just kind of offering a way for those people to shine their light and um, I guess I, I do have like a lot of passions in like herbalism things like that um, I make skincare um, teach yoga so it's definitely like a part of the lifestyle for sure. And I'm with my partner, Brian. And my name is Brian Oliver Green. I'm a writer, filmmaker, and teaching artist. And um, when I did teach, it would uh, be mostly centered around media. And um, I, I have a working relationship with Scribe Video Center in uh, West Philly. Uh, where they're like a video production office uh, placed in West Philly. Uh, pretty much like the uh, their intention is to put media in the hands of the people, particularly uh, marginalized people and disenfranchised people and like offer low cost shooting workshops, lighting workshops, um, and basically putting the tools of storytelling and media making uh, into the hands of the people and give access to people uh, that would not normally have it or wouldn't normally not be able to afford it. Wow, that's super cool. You didn't even tell me about that part. Yeah. <laughs> so we should uh, put a link 
in this the notes for this show oh, to that. Yeah. yeah, I would love to link it. Mm-hmm. And y'all are both coming from Philly, right? That's yeah, where you call Philly. home. Mm-hmm. Forgot to put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Sweet. So mm. good to have you on the show today. Yeah, you caught us mm-hmm. mid-road trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Right at the peak of the trip. Yeah. Yeah. And we have another road tripper Woo! right here. <laughs> Aloha, my name is Melissa Honeybee, and yeah, it feels good to be in the middle of the water right now, taking a break from land. I have spent the last chapter of my life living on Moku Oak Kiave, that is the big island of Hawaii, and I grew up in Florida and have also a really strong connection to Cascadia, the Pacific Northwest, as well as Taos, New Mexico. And my big passion in life right now is focusing on how I can most be of service to the plants, the medicine makers, the allies, and the elders. And I feel in deep support of humans everywhere, really, and supporting the uprising of the indigenous rights movement and supporting unity. And I'm feeling that the plants are calling us to really step forward in this walk and that that sense of purpose so Mm. I'm feeling really really honored to be here in this circle right now with these amazing humans and just coming from the Florida Earth Skills and the Florida Herbalism Conference there was a big focus on supporting black and indigenous people of color and creating this sense of unity. And so it feels really potent to be here right now with this really powerful group of humans to talk more about this and how plants can support this journey of coming together. And so thank you all for showing up and for (laughs) bringing these conversations (laughs) to life. Well, I always like to say and think it's not a good episode unless I'm <laughs> close to crying. So we've already done that in the first five minutes. So it be great. <laughs> but yeah, so Melissa kind of led in along with Alan Brian to why we're really here right now and that's to come together to talk about some of these issues which are really coming up a lot in common conversation and really important and appropriate right now, I feel like, and also hard to talk about. And so that is like Melissa was saying at some of the gatherings she's been at, there have been camps called the BIPOC camps, so Black and Indigenous people of color. And it's been a big conversation and often ended in conflict and controversy, um, confrontation, all of those cons. But in the end, they're pros because we need to be having the conversations. Mm -hmm. And so what we were talking about before we started recording for the podcast was that it's better to have these conversations and risk 
messing it up, not mm-hmm. doing it in ways that might feel right or perfect, but just to do it. Doing it is the most important part. So I really want to especially talk to Owl today about his podcast, um, which he said is QT Pock Talks. Mm-hmm. And queer and trans people of color is what that stands for again. So I'll definitely link that. So check the blog for those notes. And can you tell us just why why you started the podcast? Can I just jump in here real quick? Yeah. And I just want to clarify that the two gatherings that I went to, mm-hmm. the Florida Earth Skills Gathering and the Florida Herbalism Conference, uh, there was some conflict which led to some really potent conversations which led to healing. And I just want to be really clear about mm-hmm. that because um, uh, that feels really important, especially to feel the, the potency happening in Florida right now. And so I just yeah. thank you for yeah, that's speaking great. Thank to that. You. And just that feels important also because mm-hmm. this is part of that healing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Owl? Hey. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Thank you for having me again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, QTPAC Talks, um, again, was created to sort of bridge the gap between media and artists like myself, um, just because I feel that it's harder for us to kind of get our name out there, our work out there, even amongst you know other people in the community, you know, like, oh, algorithms online, certain things, there's so many different things that are kind of set to disadvantage a certain type of person um you know and even on the media like you don't really see too many queer and trans people of color that are doing things on that 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 are like glorified for the things that they're doing um only like more recently are you starting to see things now um just like in some of the shows that are coming out like it's starting to change but there's still a need for more work like that um and it's interesting i've met a lot of um, white identifying people that do the work that I'm doing, but I feel like it can be very, um, I just, I just don't think that it has the same effect because they don't have the experience of being in that. It's almost like me going to teach, you know, like a pregnant yoga class when I physically can't be pregnant (laughs) and I can't relate to them. So how am I going out and, you know, relating to people and creating a safe space for them to open up and talk if I can't relate, so... Mm. That's why I do the work that I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so glad you're doing that work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure it's not easy no. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. But um, as I was telling Brian the other day, you know, anything that's easy isn't worth doing, you know? It's yes. Really- yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm, true that. Definitely true. Yeah, and I think it's so important that you know, I don't know what the appropriate word is, but non-people of color Mm -hmm. can hear the voices. I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even them hearing the voices, it's them being open to hearing the voices, you know, because they can hear, you can hear things if you're not listening, if you're not tuning in, then it's just coming in one ear and going out the other. Mm -hmm. So it's that element of compassion 
that um, I think bridges the connection between, you know, being compassionate and understanding that another human being is sharing their energy with me, you know, having an open heart and open mind, I think is really what's needed. Yeah. It is beautiful. So, there's so many things I want to ask you. It's hard to know which one to focus on. There was so much that you were talking about before that, you know, I just think being in the, what, you know, when I was in college in anthropology class, we learned that race is not a real thing because our DNA is all the same. I think that's a controversial statement to make, though, you know, because obviously everyone is treated differently based on the color of their skin. That's right. So in that way, it is for real. And we were talking before about how as a male-bodied yoga person, yoga teacher that you are often the only male-bodied black yoga teacher that people might have had any experience with teaching a class. Mm -hmm. And can you, would you mind just telling us what that's like for you or people who might not have that experience in, you know, as, as a white person in America, I think there's plenty of people who have never had the experience of being in the minority yeah mm-hmm. yeah how does it feel it feels sometimes like people look for things to almost see that i'm doing wrong it looks like um it seems like sometimes i'm targeted um just just existing it depends on the studio too though because i do work at a studio that is pretty inclusive however it's still there's just like a there's not that there's a disconnect but there is sometimes a disconnect between me and the classroom if you know there's just a whole bunch of white people in there because I don't feel that my work is meant for me to come here and have dealt with all of this oppression my whole life and then I'm here to heal all y'all and listen to y'all complain <laughs> about it afterwards. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you hearing that. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah. No, yeah. you're welcome. That takes some courage, I think, to say that and be that honest. Yeah. So I think that sometimes that energy can come out in the class. And I don't try to, I guess, like, like be angry about it it's just sometimes it just happens where you're just kind of like upset oh I'm teaching in a gym setting and oh no one understands the spirituality of this practice they just want the physicality of it Mm. and that's not really to me like why I'm drawn to yoga or why I'm drawn to plants or why I'm drawn to like veganism or anything you know it's the whole holistic part of it you know and I feel like we're losing that connection um, with a lot of things Mm. and you know, a lot of, there have been a lot of white people and all people really that have been in my classes and have been touched and told me so many great, wonderful things. But I think that I can, I can definitely feel the energy of when I'm being judged when I first walk into a space, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like the teacher and they're like, oh, you're the teacher? Oh, is your name really Owl? Where does that name come from? Are you born in this country? Like, I get all these weird <laughs> questions oh even before God. I even lead mm. the practice, and I'm already drained, you know? Right. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this class now, and it can be a lot, but yeah, 
I'm learning to figure out like the community that I need to work with that will also help me to feel like energy when I'm healing them, you know, mm-hmm. instead of it feels like I'm being kind of zapped and kind of like taken from without anything in exchange. So. It's almost like you have to prove yourself twice. Yes. Before you can even start the work. Like you have to prove yourself as a human being mm-hmm. and then prove yourself as a yoga instructor mm-hmm. when if you were just you know, a white person, you could just walk in there and no one would really bat an eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think that's, like, across the board with other, like, do you relate to that with, like, not just teaching yoga, but with, like, other things you're involved with? Like, you feel like you have to, like, like you said, prove yourself twice? Yeah, and I think that when I, when I use my voice, um, it's seen as me being aggressive or me being this or that um and I'm sure there are better ways that I should use my voice but also there are better ways that people should understand multicultural Mm -hmm. differences Mm -hmm. yes you know Mm -hmm. yeah and um something really stuck in my head that you said before this recording which was that there's no gyms or yoga studios in the predominantly african-american neighborhoods Mm mm-hmm can you just touch on that for a minute? So there are, like, there's the YMCA, mm-hmm. um, but, like, this particular gym that I work at that I'm not going to disclose on the podcast just right. for keeping my job. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they don't have a location in one of the blackest and brownest parts of Philly. Um I feel like it would do great there in my, like, brain, you know, I just moved there or whatever. But then when I kind of looked at it, I was like, well, no one could really afford to come here. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't afford to really work out there. I'm lucky that I work there and I can go in for free. It's, like, I think it's $30 every two weeks to work out there, and they charge you bi-weekly. So, you know, that's not, like, a cheap payment for you to also, like, go work out, you know? Yeah. Um, so the YMCA, I think it's, like, $20 a month or something. And that is an option there, but just like the specific gym that I'm at that offers, even though you're only, you're paying that much a month though, like they have like free gym, free yoga classes, free cycling classes, free this, free that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of offerings for that $60, but you know, it's not in that one community, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. What strikes me is, um, what I heard on another show once, which was that, you know, how important play is in our lives Mm -hmm. to our well-being. But when you're in trauma, you don't have the space for play. You don't have that luxury, basically. And I mean, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about it. But to me, there are so many forms of trauma in our culture, but I would imagine that being a person of color is one of them. It just springs with it trauma from having to, just like you said, constantly prove yourself. Yeah, well, it's trauma, and it's like every day your trauma is reawakened just by existing mm-hmm. in the world, you know? Yeah. Wait, oh, you're driving down the street, you're having a good day, and someone gives you a weird look, or you talk to someone in line, and they don't talk back to you because they don't feel like they need to talk to you or that you're equal or, you know, there's a lot of weird things. I think it's mm-hmm. more so when you go more south or depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. But um, thankfully, I guess in a way, I've learned that, like, I just have a very high fashion sense. So if I dress in a certain way, people, <laughs> like, it's a different, 
it is a different experience <laughs> right. um, depending mm-hmm. where you are. But, like, people don't really perceive you as, like, if you're, like, a black brown person with, like, dirty clothes on or if you have, like, a hole in your shirt or something, you're automatically perceived as, like, the low of the low. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of interesting, too, just kind of, like, the apparel that we wear. Because some days I want to just wear a shirt that has, like, a hole in it or, like, mm-hmm. you know, pants that have holes in it. And then I have to kind of think, like, oh, like... Well, I'm already in this body, so can I really go out and be like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's definitely things that I'm noticing just as I grow up, too. Like, oh, like the more I look like I have money, the more that, or the more that I look like I fit into the white world and mm-hmm. I can be, you know, successful in it, the more that I'm respected. Mm-hmm. I think that instead of the world making it seem like we need to, like, change. Fit. I think that the world needs to understand that we're all here and that the world is just filled with different people and there is no one way to be, you know, it's just, right. there's yes. just many ways of being. Amen Unfortunately, to that. the whole system is sort of set up to try to mold us into these bricks to fit into the wall mm-hmm. of the system. Yeah, well, it's and like... Just another cog in the wheel. Mm-hmm. Individuality is, is so suppressed in our education system. And, you know, arts are, are so marginalized. And that's mm-hmm. like the first, when there's funding cuts, arts are the first thing right. to go. But you need to have the balance between the left and the right brain. It's 50-50, right? You can't have an education system where it's like 5%. And then, you know, the analytical brain is like the other 95%. That's that's not balanced, and that's not going to lead to healthy and well people and mm-hmm. healthy and well cultures. And, you know, I think I think moving forward, we, we need to transcend that and, and strive towards appreciating those 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 other aspects of our of our consciousness that are so important in our spirituality and, you know, call it what you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's the culture that needs to change. Yeah, I grew up not believing I was an artist until I was like 21. Wow. And how many people are told when they say as a kid, I want to be an artist when I grow up, well, that's not a real job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it actually can be. I'm sure yeah. we all heard that one. Yeah. Well, most yeah. of us are artists, but we're suppressing exactly. it and then we're depressed and miserable because we're not creating art. Or we don't yes. know how to create art because we haven't built the tools to do it in our adult lives. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I'm like relearning, like, all right, like I can teach myself this or I can relearn things like that. So I kind of like that I do some figure modeling as a side job just because mm. I'm like, oh, there's a whole bunch of older people here that are still learning how to draw. Like, it's not too late for me to like become an artist. Or, <laughs> yes. Know, do what I got to do. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah. That's One of the most great. profound things anyone's ever. Uh, told me was uh, the best gift that you can give to the world is is to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what you should do. Just be yourself. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious, Brian. Do you want to talk about a little bit about the world you're in um, with the organization that you're working with? It sounds super interesting to me, and um, maybe just being an artist how how that plays out um as a person of color and I'd imagine it could be harder as a person of color just kind of like what you were talking about getting access to the resources mm-hmm. well I mean yeah the the mission statement behind scribe video center which I, I still have a very good working relationship with um is 
literally to put the, uh... I guess what I want to say is you'd be surprised how many things, um... boil down to simply knowledge and accessibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, whether you're talking about media making, whether you're talking about yoga, whether you're talking about, um, herbalism, um, you know, we have many disenfranchised people in this world where they are just mainly focused on survival Mm -hmm. and they have parents that are telling them not to grow up to be artists because you can't make money like that and they don't you know they're raised in such a way as where they they just don't know how much power they have and so bringing you know bringing gyms with yoga studios into communities like this is important bringing video production offices into communities like this is important bringing the, the knowledge of herbalism into communities like this is important. I mean, we have entire communities that are like, you know, what what, what people say is, um, it's a food desert where mm-hmm. there's no, there's no whole foods in the hood. Like there's no, right. you know, there's no sprouts. Like you got, you got the Chinese store, you got the bodega and mm-hmm. you go to the corner and you get some Cheetos and then that's mm-hmm. that's what you eat all day there's no there's yeah. nowhere to go there's no fresh fruit there's no fresh vegetables mm-hmm. you know and so I, yeah a lot of it just boils down to accessibility and also knowledge knowing that like you're not supposed to be eating this stuff or mm-hmm. knowing that there's a different way of life that you can have mm-hmm. um and so I guess bringing it back to Scribe, um, you know, with the ex- accessibility thing, Scribe at Scribe Video Center, you can get like uh, you can get a pretty serious film education, like film school level education, um, for so much less than you could get if you like wanted to get into NYU. Mm-hmm. or if you, you know, wanted to get into, you know, Temple or something like that. And it's, you know, just really, really low-cost workshops and even um, as, as, low as, the wor- as low as the workshops can cost, there's also sliding scale. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you can learn how to write a script or how to write uh, an outline for a documentary that you would like to make about your community or just about your life, you know, and they have like, they have a full rental house, they have cameras and sound equipment and, and they also have uh, like a fully stocked uh, editing suite. So they have like computers you can work on. Mm -hmm. Um, And on a, and again, just like with very cheap membership rates. And so like, you're just not like out here like, oh, I want to make this movie, but I don't even know where to begin, and I can't even afford it anyway. Like, there's organizations like Scribe, and I also there's also other Philadelphia-based organizations uh, like Media Mobilizing Project uh, that I've worked for on occasion. Um, that you know they they provide people uh, with opportunity that I guess they figured they would never have. Mm. Yeah. And, and also particularly, uh, like when I taught for Scribe, it was mostly for uh, youth projects. I mean, they, mm. they do adult-based uh, workshops as well. But what what one of the things they do that's really important that I used to do a few years running is the documentary history project for youth, where they actually recruit uh, students from 
all the area neighborhood schools and it's like a summer program and we educate them on a particular subject so like uh and every year it's different so like one year it was um the subject of the year was African drumming. So mm-hmm. like the, the it's like a nine month course. So like mm-hmm. the first couple months are just like educating the children's about educating the kids about um the history of African drumming yeah. as it pertains uh, in Philadelphia, like what elders oh. still live in Philly, mm-hmm. you know, where yes. they're doing, like mm-hmm. what are, what is the tradition. <laughs> so great. And then in the middle section is where we teach them about video production. So like, you know, so you hold the camera like this, and it's F-stop and your aperture, and it, like, here's how you connect the sound equipment. When you're doing a documentary, when you're doing an interview, you wanna, you know, put the XLR cable in here, and, you know, you wanna make sure your levels are right, and you wanna, you know, like, white balance the shot, and da 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 And then uh, the last part of the course is where we're taking them through the editing process. You know, you, sh- you shot all this footage, you know, mm-hmm. here's Final Cut Pro, here's, here's Premiere, you know, here's how you, you know, you don't, you want to take that, take out that little section where I just coughed, here's how you do it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then it always ends with a, um, a premiere at, uh, we were doing it at the, I think it was at the Kimmel Center once. Um. But it always ends with a big premiere where they get to like see their work on the on the big screen. That's so great. So I guess to tie it back in, try to tie it back in with uh, what's going on here is just like simply, you know, a lot of a lot of things just come down to knowledge and and accessibility, and it's it's about bringing that knowledge to people that wouldn't ordinarily have it, disenfranchise people mm-hmm. and marginalize people and um, educating them about wellness and educating them about trauma mm-hmm. and um, giving them the tools to create a better life for themselves. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's really amazing. Work. Thank yeah. you for doing that work. Yeah. So Thank needed you. in the world. <laughs> Yeah. So one thing we wanted to touch on was how people who are white or not indigenous could be better allies for people of color, could be more supportive. And, you know, I really wanted to specify that this is not, you know, wouldn't be appropriate to say, okay, can you please speak for all black people right now? <laughs> you know, I just want to get your opinion yeah, on this, either or both of you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Well, I'll share from my perspective. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear Brian's. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think um, the first thing that y'all can do is to like simply be quiet when you're in a space where you know it's time for you to listen Mm -hmm. and to speak up when you're in a space where it's time for you to speak Mm -hmm. and to know the difference between the two yes Yes. and that's something that is like hard to teach you know it's really just kind of like knowing like when you're in a space where you could stand up for someone you know when you're in a space where like you're around someone that's racist and they're saying something mm-hmm. and it's really not our job to stand up to white people and do it anymore it's y'all's job to go out there and be like hey 
because like like you heard in the conference you know your voices are louder to those people mm -hmm. you know and just like how my voice can be louder to other queer trans people of color compared to like just another white person that's coming out like hey what's going on in your life and how can i fix this you know it's like yeah. sometimes we feel attacked in that way um yeah. so it's nice to just kind of have a space a safe space for to open up um I'd say another thing um, is to offer charity or offer, you know, support in any way that you can. Um, whether that's like, you know, hosting a person that's coming through town that's an artist, a traveling artist, you know, mm -hmm. like we're traveling artists, even though we're not doing art right now, but like having spaces that we can crash and like create connections with people, you know, and we create a lot of connections during the trip with white people, mm -hmm. you know, and it was beautiful to see and not feel I didn't feel like targeted or like like I didn't belong at all, you know, and it helps it helps a lot to feel that connection with people in their own space, you know. Mm -hmm. We said this one person's space, they weren't even there, they were gone. But they're like, Yeah, I just love sharing my space, like do it, hang out, we were in Delray Beach and it just I never met Jay at all, but you know, it just felt like cool, like, you know, there are people out there still that like believe and don't believe that we're all just thieves that are out, we're out here to like hurt or you know do things that are mm -hmm. you know destructive um and then another thing that i would say that um people can do is to stand up for people especially in fucking work environments i am so sick of like me losing a job and then being like oh that was racist and then everyone's still working there mm -hmm. like you're keeping that place running and places like that places things like that like if you basically if you see something going on and you're in the position to stand up for that and make a change make a difference start up start up whatever a, a protest start something you know and because we don't have the energy to do that right <laughs> you know we barely have the energy to get out and go to work every day Right. So it's, it's, um, and not to say that other people don't, but you know, it's just like, there's a lot. And you have the platform board anyway already. Mm -hmm. so. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of building for us to like, get protests going. And mm -hmm. if you see a bunch of black people together, instantly the cops are going to show right. up. And it's going to mm -hmm. get very escalated right. very fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that education piece <laughs> is super important. So. Any way that we can find to educate each other on this is yeah. so helpful. And um, I also want to make sure not to ignore the Q and the T mm -hmm. in QTPOC um, because a lot of people right now are focusing on BIPOC. I keep hearing that, but mm -hmm. I don't hear the Q and the T for the queer and trans. So I imagine that it would be some of the same actions that would be supportive and help folks to be allies. But is there anything you want to add that would be su supportive also for queer and trans folks? Um, I mean, it's a similar topic just with gender, you mm -hmm. know. So it's just like if you are in a situation where someone's gender is being, you know, or like... If they're, you know, like, if someone slips up about something, like, oh, we're all women here, and you're like, hey, you know, like, that little snippet of you, like, standing up for all people that, mm -hmm. like, are in the gender dysphoria realm, you know, that's important. Even if they're not here, just your spirit doing that work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just you doing that work. Even if it's something small, and even if it's just a friend that's joking, Yeah. You know? 
because there could be someone in that space that got triggered, you know, and you never know when you trigger someone, but you do know when you help someone because they'll come up to you and say thank you. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm. And I think sometimes that piece can be harder for people, especially people of a different generation, because it's not always obvious. Well, it's not, and it's all not always obvious, whereas skin color is, you know, so Mm -hmm. I think it really takes time to get into habits. Like one that I always try to practice is never assuming someone's gender mm-hmm. and asking. But this takes knowledge, you know, right. and there's it does. a lot of knowledge that has yet to get to everyone, mm-hmm. you know? So it's going to take time, but also it takes compassion again, like people being open to listening, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of you know, a lot of stuff that happened in the 80s, 90s that, you know, made people feel bad. I don't even know what the word would be, but just not not in the mood to hang out with trans folks, you know, like they mm. want to stay away. Um, avoidant, there we go. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just like, and even in the gay community, you know, there's so many stereotypes, there's so many different things. And it's, there's just we're just all fucking people and people just need to like chill the fuck out you know? <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's human nature to it's human nature to fear what you don't understand yeah, I definitely. suppose but you really we can't be like that you know like right. and when connected. you when you let go of that fear and instead embrace something that is foreign to you or that is strange to you or like this person doesn't look like me or this person has a different gender than me or I don't know what this person's gender is like right. you don't have to know like yeah. you know you just have to look at them like a human being mm-hmm. yeah. and you have to treat them with you know compassion and listen to what they have to say and find the similarities and also celebrate the differences Celebrate mm-hmm. the differences yes. and not celebrate it, right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. like don't let the differences weird you out. You have to like embrace the differences, mm-hmm. you know. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I think, um, you know, that there is a lot of fear on the part of non indigenous people, kind of like I was saying in the beginning of fucking up, you know. Mm-hmm. of um creating conflict or hurting feelings and so the subject just isn't broached or the question isn't asked so putting this question to the two of you again like not for all of black or queer humanity but for yourselves (laughs) individually would you rather that somebody just asked if there was a question that they were curious about. I mean, I know that's broad, a broad question, but um, start the conversation. I think that it depends on if the question has anything to do with their business. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me, yeah, yeah. whether it's appropriate or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've been asked some interesting things, and one time I told someone, like, it's none of your business. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I remember, we were taught, they asked me if Al was my real name. It was at work. And I was like, why does it matter? Right. And he's like, well, like, you know, like, da 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 Like, I don't know. I just want to know if it's your name. And I was like, but it's none of your business. Right. And, like, we had, though, 
and this was also like a white male identifying or white cis male, whatever. Um, they were just like down to have a conversation about, you know, like why it doesn't matter. And eventually we got to like, like I didn't get, we didn't get mad. You know, I did feel a little bit offended at first, mm-hmm. but then like I had to also be a little bit compassionate and like, okay, this guy doesn't fucking understand that like this is like none of his business. Let me explain to him why it's none of his business and that's none of his business. But I had the spoons for it, you know. Sometimes yeah. you don't have that. So <laughs> yeah. it really depends. I think that um I think that it dep- I think that you need to check in first, really, with the person, you know, like, hey, can I ask you a question mm. about something? But I think that a lot mm-hmm. of uh, white people um, that aren't aware of, you know, just the things that we go through, um, mm-hmm. then they are more inclined to ask these questions. And it's it's almost like they probably do it like 10 times a day to like the 10 different people, <laughs> you know? And if we can kind of have more people awake or awoke to, you know, some of these things that they're doing... Um, and asking questions that are in their realm of need to be asked, you know, then I think that that will create less conflict mm-hmm. or less of the illusion of conflict. Um, because even if there's conflict, that doesn't mean that it can't be, you know, changed or conflict can lead to great things, you know. Like, mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think that... I think that the fear of conflict also steers away from the success of, you know, like, advancing... I think that the fear of conflict gets in the way of our success and, like, advancing as a species, um, you know, yeah. like, oh, well, I'm afraid to tell this person how I feel that I love them because what if they don't love me back? And then right. some people live their whole lives not telling this person that they love them, and then mm-hmm. they get to the end of it finding out that the person that they love loved them just the same. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, fear of, I mean, yeah, fear of conflict does get in the way, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't, like, conflict in and of itself is not necessarily always bad, Mm -hmm. because sometimes conflict needs to happen to come to what we all want, which is resolution. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, a lot lot of things come down to tone, and (laughs) a lot of things come down Mm -hmm. to relevancy, like Al was just saying, like... If you're asking me a question that has nothing to do with the context or our conversation or just like, you know, just imagine like meeting someone and you already, you automatically just want to ask them what their lineage is. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, it could be looked at as rude. <laughs> I think yeah. that we base each other's statuses off of like what we do for work and yeah. like what we look like and you know, and I think that we just need to understand that we're all, all here, you know, we're all here to, like, help each other, you know, and just because we have different jobs and different titles, like, the janitor's job just as important mm-hmm. as the head person, you know? That's right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah, how come people don't ask each other, what kind of hobbies do you enjoy? Right. You know, like, shouldn't that be a, a, an opener? Yeah, a and I think, I think that's, that's more interesting. a mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. a good thought to put out there as a seed for everyone listening. You know, mm-hmm. one thing that I try to do when I meet people is instead of saying, hey, what's your name? What do you do? 
Like, <laughs> hey, what's your name? What are you passionate about? Yeah, yeah you that's know? beautiful. Yeah. Because you might not be doing what you're passionate exactly. about. Exactly. Right? But you're getting yeah. there. Yeah. And that's so inspiring, too. If somebody mm-hmm. isn't doing something they're passionate about, it can really, it can still really inspire them. Right. Get their, you know, get, get their mind working in that direction towards yeah. So I want to bring it back around to herbalism and I'm curious, um, how you all see the connection between what you're doing, maybe what you're talking about in your podcast or your mission and how um, it's affected by or connected to herbalism. Does that make sense? Mm. So are you, do you mean um, the talk talks? Or do you mean just The like talks the and also... Adventures um, of the realm. <laughs> yeah, any of it, really, that you yeah. want to talk about. So, um... Adventures of Owl is basically... Um, a, an online website you can go to www.adventureswithowl.com I think I said the W's too fast but yeah y'all know the three W's <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it's basically me trying my best you know I'm going through life I'm still building myself up you know but I felt I feel good that I've kept my website consistently on like live for like the last almost two years um, oh. and now just paying the $18. At first, I was like, I can't pay $18 a month for a website. But, you know, over time, like, things change, and you learn your flow. Um, and I'm finally getting to a place now where, like, I'm learning that, like, I need to create multiple forms of income and, like, mm-hmm. do different things. I can't keep doing the same thing because I get tired of it, and then I need to, like, then I burn out. Like, I'll overdo it, and then I'll burn out. So just learning about myself... But then being so creative and so, like, like my, I just had so many things I wanted to do when I was, like, 21. So, like, I, like, instantly just started, like, studying herbalism and I wanted to be a yoga instructor. And then um, I wanted to also, like, cook food. So I learned about different foods and healing my body with foods. Mm. Um, because I got sick, so I needed to learn, like, how to, like, heal myself with different foods and how to, you know, like, I learned so many different things about healing with foods and about Mm -hmm. different herbs but like it took so much energy just to get there like I had to I have to always kind of even now like I have to always send things like hey like I need even like for yoga I had to like talk to them about why it is fair to give me a discount versus like all the other white people there that didn't have one and like Mm -hmm. why I had they almost kicked me out of the program and this would have been the second time like like two times I almost didn't get to become a yoga teacher because of finances or because you know I didn't have the tools to like I didn't have all the tools everyone else had I would Mm -hmm. bike to my yoga training every day Mm -hmm. you know I would I would stay after though and do like all the yoga classes I would fucking kick my butt every time (laughs) but you know like it was everything that I do I feel like is very engraved into my by my soul like it's just like there's like hard work like like I feel like the universe wants that like I don't know why but like herbalism like I had to walk across all of Providence just to get to like the little place with Mary Mary Blue she's an herbalist up in oh, Providence yeah. yeah um I studied under her mm-hmm. um and one one of the people who was involved in 
everything that went on fire with the fire cider trial. Yeah, I saw wow. the emails in my thing like, hey, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> fire cider yeah. generic or whatever the yeah. word was, but yeah. So yeah, I studied under um, Mary Blue. Um, and we kind of had a weird falling out because they didn't like that I called myself a certified herbalist. And I was like, I feel all this money. I'm certified herbalist. I don't know what you're saying, but <laughs> either way, like it just became like this weird thing. And I eventually left Rhode Island. Um, oh, wow. But I made what I loved about that place was that I learned how to make salves and skincare. And as a person of color, skincare is super important because. Mm. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. It should be important for everyone. It's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. But I guess on, I guess for some reason too, I guess it's the visibility too and there's probably a lot of stereotypes as well like who knows like oh having ashiness i have no idea you know i've only been around for 27 years but um from what i've (laughs) perceived you know my skin is very dry so it needs oils um so i work with um coconut oil um, and I like mm. to infuse the coconut oil with an herb called calendula. Um, yeah. Calendula is indigenous, I believe, to Egypt. Um, and it really holds, like, the power of the sun. So I just love, like, its magical powers of just helping with, like, cuts, scrapes, psoriasis, eczema, things that a lot of people of color deal with. And a lot of, a lot of people in general deal with these things because mm-hmm. of our diet, because of the way that we live, the water that we drink, mm-hmm. just the different things affect our skin. And I know for sure, because when I eat like really bad, like my skin starts to break out. When I smoke cigarettes, my skin starts to break out. When I do anything that's kind of, you know, toxic for my body, it responds. And that's it talking to me. And our body's mm-hmm. always talking to us, but yeah. most of us aren't listening until mm-hmm. it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, too, that um, it's especially relevant for more than than the reasons that we've talked about um, to talk about sexuality, gender, race, when we're talking about herbalism because um, some people want to be practicing herbalists. And this is something that you're going you know, you're going to be dealing with people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, that hopefully that's the goal, right? Yeah. Um, I am so excited to see more and more free clinics popping up mm-hmm. and more herbalism happening in marginalized areas. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's super important that we're having these conversations right now. Um, and also for queer and trans folks like really for folks who want to be practicing herbalists to really think about when you do an intake, when you're talking to somebody about their bodies and their health histories and their preferences, like, you know, we need to be super aware of this and super respectful. Yeah. 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 And I think for me personally, you know, cause I work with private clients too, and I'll say, like, my private sessions with yoga is a, basically a pretty holistic experience. Like, I throw in some things that I know about herbs. I throw in most things I know about. Most of my, I'd say, my healing, though, is done through food. Mm. Um, and then herbs I kind of use as a supplemental thing. Um, but I kind of want to experiment with, you know, balancing that out and figuring out, like, more of a balance for sure. But um, mostly I like to just 
learn and teach people. There's a book called Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford. Yeah. Um, it's a great book. I definitely recommend anyone that's a healer to check it out. Everything's in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from like making your own sourdough bread to you know just learning about like the different energies that come into your food just by the way you cook it and how fast you cook it, the utensils you use when you're cooking it, whether it's plastic, metal, or, you know, uh, steel, like just learning about the different energies of these things and then incorporating that into what you need in your life. Is your body like more mucus? Is your body more dry? Mm-hmm. Is your body more acidic? Is your body more alkaline? Like, and really healing has to do with finding that alkaline or the alkalinity within the body and letting go of that intense acidic nature that um, we're so used to with our coffees and cigarettes and uh, fried food and white breads and all of these sugars it's just like I mean it's we can we our most of our breakfast meals is like a full acidic attack on our body. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you start the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. I'm so glad that you included that. Thanks. I forget to to talk about that, but it's like the the simplest thing right now. Right now everybody's flipping out about coronavirus, mm-hmm. you know? And we were just talking about doing a class on antivirals and mm-hmm. how it's the simple things that most people forget, you know, mm-hmm. like eating well, mm-hmm. like getting enough sleep, like drinking enough water and good water. Yeah. You we'll, know? we'll jump to take a pill before we jump to like do the work. Right. Yeah. And what's easy, you know, is not always what's worthwhile in the end. Yes, definitely. Yeah, well, gosh, I could just feel like there's so much we could talk about. Um, But it's been about an hour, so I know we're going to talk for 20 minutes. We lost this one. Put some folks to sleep. It's all good. So yeah, I wanna wanna start to close it down, but I wanna ask you, Al, if there's anything else that you think is important for folks to know about you, or anything that's really close to your heart that you wanna share with folks. Yeah, um, just if you would like to support the work that I do, um, you can check out my website, adventureswithowl.com. Um, and if you'd like to reach out to me personally, um, I love to talk to schools, um, educate kids. Um, I'll be on your podcast. Um, my email is adventureowl at gmail.com. And if you want to send me any monetary donations, I'm open to that too. I'm on Venmo, shift that, I will wear. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I'll, um, put all those links in the blog. So, if you're listening to this separately from the blog, check out the wanderschool.com and go to the podcast page. Why do they still say shift that? It's just the at sign. <laughs> like speaking as if you're like touching the keyboard. Ah, right. Hopefully they know we what all I mean. get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, great. Yeah. So I will link to all of your links. So please support Al 
and check out your podcast, which again is what? QT Pock Talks. And um, it stands for Queer and Trans People of Color. It's a talk show. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, um, and all the other major podcasts. I think there's like nine of them that it's on. Sweet. Um, yeah, and I use Anchor. So if anyone's out there that's like trying to start a podcast, definitely recommend Anchor. Oh, it's pretty, good to know. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty free and, you know, <laughs> it's nice. So, Great. Yeah. Mm. Something I might have to put in the back of my brain. Yeah, and, <laughs> and um, they like connect you with like ads that are in tune. Oh, with, sweet! Like, your podcast, so you can collaborate. Wow, that's, cool. that's really cool. Great. So, yeah, check out all those links. And um, for those of you who are listening and don't already know, it is really helpful to all of us podcasters if you can like subscribe and share the podcast and leave us comments so that we know that people are listening Mm -hmm. (laughs) it makes a big difference and i i think that i can speak for al and myself when i say that we're trying to create community here that's what it's really about i think we're doing it so i hope so uh and again I'm Abby Artemisia. Thank you so much for supporting and listening to Wander, Forge, and Wildcraft. Um, if you want to help more, then please support the production costs on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Wander School. And you can get cool bonuses from the podcast as well so thanks y'all happy wandering foraging and small crafting (laughs) Bye. bye thanks for listening to this episode of wander forage and wildcraft don't forget to check the show notes for all of the links from today's episode Thanks so much to Tina and her pony for the use of their beautiful song, Medicine. I love hearing from all of you, so please leave me your comments. And if you like what you've heard, please rate and review this podcast and share with folks you know. You can keep learning and following my adventures on thewanderschool.com and the Wanderschool Facebook and Instagram pages. Happy wandering, foraging, and wildcrafting. Come on, everyone, and gather round. Listen to the soothing in this sound. I'm here to tell you that medicine don't come from a pill, it grows in the ground. The medicine we need.